Praise the Lord. Gloria a Dios. Hey, it is an uh, absolute privilege for Louisa and I to have this opportunity. And uh, we want to thank you very much for receiving us so warmly, so kindly, and so generously into this fellowship. We're newbies. We've only been here two months. Uh, but we very much feel already part of the family. And so I just want to thank you for that. I'm just going to pray, then we'll do a little bit of an introduction so you know who we are. But Daniel, you did a fantastic job. Thank you so much, brother. That was, uh, that was great. Uh, and then we're going to look at Psalm 29, okay? So that's where we're going. So if you want to find Psalm 29 uh, on your phone, on your device, or in your physical paper Bible, now there's a shocker, um, then that would be wonderful. All right, so let's, uh, so let's pray. Father, we bless you. It is wonderful to be in your house with your family, with brothers and sisters from all around the world, from different cultures, from different backgrounds. And Lord, we just bless you for what you are doing in this place. It's exciting and uh, challenging, and it's just awesome. And so, Father, we thank you for having the privilege to be a part of that. Father, as we come to your word right now, Lord, I pray you make it clear to us what you're trying to say to each one of us, to our families, to our church, to our communities. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. I just want to I always start with this verse. Whatever I do, wherever I go, I always start with this verse. Uh, it is from Psalm 67, not from Psalm 29. We'll get to Psalm 29. And it's because on our hearts, for Louisa and I, mission is really, really important. God's mission is something that we're very passionate about and something that we've had the privilege for the last decade of teaching about as well. And this, I love this verse. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Hallelujah. Of course, that's what we want. Uh, and make his face shine upon us. But Why? that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations, all nations. And so that's always in us. That's always a part of us. And I say we're a global church. Amen. The church is now pretty much in every nation on the planet for the first time ever in our generation. And I think it's an extra, because of that, it's an extraordinary time to be alive because the church has never been quite as it is now. The opportunities, the privilege, I think, is immense. And I say we are with a, what do you see there? What's the word? Glo glocal. Glocal, it's, a, it's kind of a strange English word. Uh, glocal, which combines together global and, and local, and we get glocal. And so it's this idea that you have this global vision because of what you see and you understand of what's happening around the world in God's church, but also you're very focused on what's happening within about a kilometer of you. And the stuff that's going on around you will inform the stuff that's going on globally, and the stuff that's going on globally will inform what's going on locally. And there's like a tension there, and there's like a synergy there. And I think these days we live in the middle of that synergy, and I think that's why it's so exciting. Now, let's see if this works. Oh, of course it worked when we practiced it. Ah, there we go. Let's, ah, there we go. So, just to go back, actually, I, I only had one side of the family up there. This is Louis, this is my Chinese family. Okay, so this is Louisa's uh, mum and dad and her sisters and brother-in-law as well. And then there's Sarah there. And Joshua, my son, it's funny, Daniel, you didn't know I had another two children. I have another two children. <laughs> but honestly, I only have three, so there's no others, okay, to talk about. Uh, so I've got three kids. One is 20, how old is she? 20? 22, my goodness. And then the other one is almost 19. I'm always bad with my kids' ages. And Sarah is just 10, okay? So Sarah is just 10. And so I have a family in Malaysia, but I also have a family... Actually, most of these guys are not in the UK. My brother lives in Seattle, okay? He came here a long time before me. He studied uh, in San Francisco, and then he moved up to Seattle, and he's been working, dare I say this, I don't know, different people have, he worked for Amazon for 10 years, okay? Ooh, <laughs> okay, so he's been working for Amazon, and uh, he's married to a South African, 
So that's also interesting. So we've got Malaysian family, Malaysian Chinese. We've also got uh, folks living in America. We've got South African connections. And they've adopted an African-American boy. And there he's, uh, he's there at the front. And so we are well represented as a family. Amen? And I think that's increasingly true for most of our families. Is that not true? Um, we, we've got different cultures, different nations all represented. And again... I think that's why it's a very exciting time to be alive and to be engaged in God's mission. Now, this is, this is not my house. <laughs> um, uh, this is where we worked. This is All Nations Christian College. Okay. Uh, it's, some people say, oh, it's Hogwarts. No, it's not Hogwarts. Okay. Other people, kind of people say, oh, it's, it's Downton Abbey. And, you know, Downton Downton Abbey, Downton Abbey, Downton, no, it's not, this is where we worked for about 10 years, okay, so this is All Nations, so you're very welcome to visit there when you're in the UK, Uh, and we're very excited about mission, I said it's a kind of a mission place, and we're excited about mission, and uh, if I had to define mission, this is where I would be, okay, so this is, I mean, there's a lot of definitions of mission, but this, this would be kind of my definition, mission is what, mission is Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm ordinary. We're ordinary. We're ordinary people. But because God is, what? Thank you. (laughs) We are ordinary Christian people doing extraordinary God-inspired endeavors, hopefully, being motivated by what? What motivates us? The love of God. Why do we want to do anything? Because we'd love to see transformation. Oh, you guys are amazing. This is great. To bring transformation to whose world? God's world, okay? And then calling all nations to give him. Oh, fantastic. So we've got God's people doing God's work in God's way in God's world to God's glory. That's the ministry that we are all engaged in. Now, for us, for Louisa and I, this, this, is, this is what we've been doing for the last 10 years, or the last five years. And the Lord has been amazing. He's just taken us to different places. Doors have opened and, and so on and so forth. Um, and somehow we've ended up not doing mission, but doing mission training. Because we now have missionaries from Argentina. Actually, we've had for many, many years missionaries from Argentina and Brazil and Costa Rica. We've got missionaries from the Democratic Republic of Congo, missionaries from Uganda, missionaries from Nepal, missionaries from everywhere to... Amen. Somebody knew that. Everywhere to everywhere. That is the paradigm of mission that we are in right now. And so that's where the Lord has been taking us. Um, In December... We will go to Guatemala. We will go to Guatemala City. I'm really looking forward to that. We will be engaged in some training there. We will visit a mission training center. Uh, This was a training we did back in June. Uh, And then after that, we're going to Burundi for Christmas. Uh, We will spend Christmas in Burundi, and we will do a week's training there together with folks in Burundi. So that's kind of where the Lord will, will take us over the Christmas period. But for now, God has brought us Pasadena, and to this amazing BCF church. Hefseba's on fire this morning. She's really, I can hear her all the way from the back. She's, she's, she's really good. For those on Zoom, Hefseba, she's really, she's really with the program today. That's <laughs> fantastic. Brought us to this amazing church, which is not only developing physically, But actually, there's something quite intense going on spiritually. Amen? I, I, that's, Louisa and I certainly sense that as we step into the, actually, when we stepped into Falcon, as we stepped into children's ministry and we saw what was going on there, we just had a sense that God is really doing something. And so it's very exciting to be here. Now, I just had to put this in. This is, this is what it means to be English. It's really sad. Okay? As long as I have these things, I'm, I'm a happy boy. Okay? So this, this was my breakfast this morning. 
this is what settled me down. Of course, what do I have? I have, what's the first thing? First thing that an English man has in the morning. A cup of tea, it's true, you know. And, and two, if he could squeeze it in, okay? And so I've got my Typhoo English tea. And then what else does the English man do? Toast. We have tea, two teas, tea and toast. And then very particular English people, on their toast, they would have Marmite. Oh, absolutely. Not, now, if, it depends on your, your social status. Uh, if you're from so-called lower classes, like myself, uh, you eat Marmite. Okay, if you're from a, from a different kind of class, you eat, actually, Hefzibas again, she was on it. What do, what do we eat? Not Marmite, but Marmalade. Okay, marmalade. So there's, again, there's two teas. There's tea and toast, and then there's marmite and marmalade. Okay, now you know everything that you need to know about English culture. Done. That's the lesson. Uh, in five minutes, you just start your day like this, and, uh, and, and everything goes well after that. So this is what I've brought to the U.S., but I have to say what we've learned here far outstrips anything that we have brought It's a place to receive words. It's a place to receive words. And we were at Falcon, praise the Lord. That was an amazing experience. And this fella here in the third row <laughs> prayed for us and he gave us this word. The scripture came later. He just said, you know what? This is a time to hide. God has brought you to Pasadena to hide. And he said he had a picture of a bush on the corner of a road. And so from behind, he said, in this season, you're going you're gonna to go behind that bush together. And you're going to hide. And then at some season in the future, that next season, you're going to emerge. And so it's a season for us of hiddenness. Now, I find that quite ironic because I'm standing here in front of 100 odd people. <laughs> I don't feel very hidden. Actually, I feel quite exposed and I feel quite vulnerable right now. But actually, this is a season of hiddenness. And I think the question that always comes, do you know the season that you're in? It may be hiddenness, it may be a time of, of the opposite of hiddenness, it may be a number of different things, but do you know the season that you are in, and do you know the season that you're entering into? What is that next season? For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. If you allow God to do the things in your life that he wants to do during that season <laughs> when you're behind the bush. <laughs> so I thank God for that word. Because that's like, for us, it's like an, I see up there on the window at the top there, for those on Zoom, I'm, I'm apologizing. I love the little motifs on top of the window. It's like an anchor verse. It's like an anchor verse for us. Okay, I don't know if this is gonna, maybe I have to go up. Ah, there we go. Finally, to the message. Psalm 29. Some of you say, come on, at last. Praise the Lord. <laughs> We're going to go to Psalm 29. We call it this. We say, through the storm, untouched, maybe physically, but actually completely transformed. Through the storm, untouched, but completely transformed. And that takes us to Psalm 29. See, if you're there on your device or your old-fashioned book like me, I'll read it in the New King James Version. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Are you ready? It's dramatic. I love it. It's a very dramatic psalm. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is, I love this, over the waters. 
The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. I heard some people say it. It's powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedar trees. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedar trees of Lebanon. He makes them to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, in his church, everyone says, (laughs) glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful, a wonderful word. So you break it down, and you've got seven voices. Actually, you've got one voice, but you've got it repeated seven times. So the voice of the Lord is over the waters. He's powerful. And then Louisa will take, is full of majesty, breaks the cedars and divides the flames of fire. And then I will come back and I will shake the wilderness of Kadesh, make the deer give birth and strip the forest bare. (laughs) And what you see is the story of a storm. I don't know if the other day, I mean, I was walking to school with Sarah. (laughs) And when we came out of the house, it was just trickling. It was nice. We had our little umbrella. And we were kind of hidden under the umbrella. It was just dribbling. It was nice, you know. It's like misty rain. Fantastic. Really nice. Sarah and I started hugging under the umbrella. Lovely. And then about 10 minutes down the road, oh, my goodness, everything just broke loose. I don't know if you were driving in that. (laughs) And then you saw the road begin to fill up. You saw the drains begin to fill up. And then we were walking through floods, and we were walking through this and that, and we got to school. Sarah was soaked, but she was happy. (laughs) (laughs) she'd been jumping in the puddles and then I got to the school and then I had another 20 minutes back through the same oh my goodness (laughs) but we walked through the storm so we saw the kind of gentle part at the beginning which you have here and then we walked through the middle of the storm which is the next three and then as I walked home it began to subside and then at three o'clock in the afternoon I had to go and pick her up In between, it had been completely dry. As I walked out of the house, a little bit of rain. By the time I got there, it was pouring, and on the way back, it slowed down. And I thought, Lord, are you preparing me for Psalm 29? (laughs) Because I hadn't encountered anything like that in Pasadena at all. All I knew was sun, blue sky, beautiful, and then this. Oh, my goodness. Completely unprepared. The storm really came. Building, breaking, and then beginning something new and different at the end. The voice of the Lord. So I'll take the first two. Let me see. You have this amazing opening. And what you see is this perspective from heaven. And David is looking up to heaven and he's seeing what the Lord is doing. And he says, my goodness, if you see the Lord... Ascribe to him glory. Ascribe to him strength. Ascribe to him the glory due his name. Look at the beauty of his holiness. Look at the characteristics of God. Because if you do that, you'll never be the same. And those mighty ones that he has expressed there, they could be other gods so-called. They could be kings so-called. Significant humans, significant angels. Actually, it's not clear. But what he's saying is... You choose what side you're on. The mighty ones might have followed other gods. They might even be other gods. But he's saying right at the beginning here, you decide. Whose side are you on? Are you following the Lord or not? And I love that because he's saying right at the beginning, align yourself. Because if you align yourself, that will build the anticipation for you to be able to see what is coming in the rest of the psalm. And so he's kind of setting you up, this picture of heaven. How does God see this situation that is about to unfold on the earth? It's about alignment. It's about anticipation. Now, 
Geography lesson. Who liked geography at school? One person. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> okay. This is the path of the storm. There's your picture of Israel and Lebanon and Syria over there to the right. And what happens is the storm starts over the Mediterranean Sea. It moves round to Lebanon. It moves down to Syria and Mount Hermon. And then it moves round from Israel down into the wilderness and the wilderness of Kadesh. But does that make sense? And so this storm is on a journey. And actually what you see in the storm, in the, in the passage, is the path of the storm. And David is probably somewhere in the middle. He's in Jerusalem and he's watching this storm go round. Does that make sense? He's not in the storm, but he's observing the storm. And he's appreciating in what he sees and in this path what God is like. And also how God speaks. And I think that's the key here. So the voice of the Lord is over the water. It's over many waters. It's over the Mediterranean Sea. But when you look at that verse, what does it remind you of? Where does it take you? God is over the mighty water. I put it down there. Genesis chapter 1. Somebody said it. Yeah, Genesis. What do you see in Genesis 1 verse 2b? Who is hovering over the waters? God. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. And so when you look at the voice of the Lord over the water, actually it reminds me of the Holy Spirit. It takes me back into creation, the seven days of creation, the seven voices of God. You can marry those across. <laughs> and then I look back in my life. And what I'm trying to do is find out, Holy Spirit, when did you start speaking to me? Now, I became a Christian when I was 17. Up until that point, I'd, I'd been a very committed atheist. In fact, I was an evangelistic atheist. <laughs> and at school, I was kind of famous, infamous, if you like, for trying to persuade people to give up their Christian faith. <laughs> but I realized in those 17 years, the Holy Spirit had been trying to break through. Because when I was seven years old, my father went over to Hong Kong. <laughs> and he came back from Hong Kong and he gave my mom this amazing dress Red dress, it was absolutely amazing. He gave my brother something else, and to me, he gave me... Now, I felt a little bit hard done by. I got two sticks. And I said to my dad, what do I do with these? <laughs> and he said, you eat with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure, sure, yeah, eat with that. <laughs> no, no, really, you eat with those. And he proceeded to teach me how to eat with chopsticks. And in that moment, with those two sticks, I had a sense. At seven years old, didn't know the Lord, that I would marry an Asian lady. I had no idea what I was talking about. I didn't really know what Asia was. <laughs> You know, I was living in a very monocultural, monoethnic environment. But I ha had a sense at seven that my wife would be Asian. Where does that come from? I wasn't thinking about a wife at seven years. I was thinking about Lego. <laughs> but somehow, the Holy Spirit had me on a different plane. And uh, praise the Lord, the prophetic word of the Holy Spirit came true. <laughs> Amen? God worked that out. So that's my object. This is the Holy Spirit, the voice hovering over the waters. And then the other one is this. A little bit later on, I don't know if you've ever had this experience of the Holy Spirit, but you're laying there. I was laying with two friends looking up at the sky. And it was a completely cloudless sky one night. I was about 16. And then all of a sudden I looked up at the stars and I went, Goodness me, I'm very small. Goodness me, I'm very insignificant. Now, I was a very proud atheist, okay? I was an immensely proud atheist. And then all of a sudden, this immensely proud atheist who thought he was kind of God of the universe, 
All of a sudden, he's looking up in the sky, and he's like, no, I am incredibly small. I am incredibly insignificant. And again, I think that was the Holy Spirit just breaking, just breaking into my life. And then the final one there, this is my house. It's not my house. This is my mother's house. And when I was 17 years old, having had these experiences, but not really knowing what was going on, I was in my bedroom with my friend, and at 17 in England, if you're not a Christian and you're spending time with your friends, it probably means you're drinking alcohol when you're 17. And so there I am in my bedroom, and I'm, I'm really happy. <laughs> Did you, you understand what I mean? Woo-hoo! And all of a sudden, this voice comes into the room that I had never heard before. And that voice just simply said, Richard, 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 my name. What is going to happen to you when you die? I'm 17. Never, ever thought about dying. Because when you're 17, you're going to live forever. <laughs> right? Six months later, I gave my life to Jesus. Because he was the only way to answer that question. Hmm? The only way. Oh, praise the Lord. The voice of the God over the waters. Then the second one, the voice of the Lord was with power. That took me immediately back to Hebrews 4.12, which says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword, absolutely. Dividing soul and spirit and bone and marrow, it discerns the motives and the intents of the heart. Amen? That's the, that's the work of the, of the word. And so how has that lived out in my life? We need to think, how has the word worked itself out in my life? Well, when I moved to Malaysia, that was a very different culture. It was a very different time. I was about to be a youth pastor together with my wife. We'd never done that ever before. We were in a new culture, new job, new everything. And God said, I'm going to get you up at five o'clock in the morning every morning. Praise the Lord. Okay. And he did. For a season of about six months, every day, five o'clock, ding dong, up, get up, <laughs> boom, for six months every day. And this verse was absolutely key. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my to, to listen. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not disobedient. Nor did I turn back. So it's one thing to be woken up by the Lord at five o'clock in the morning, but is my ear really open? And am I really ready to receive whatever it is that the Lord has on his heart for that day? But that was an incredibly formative time in my life. Where the Lord just kept waking me up because he wanted to share. And then the last one before I hand over to Louisa. What is this? <laughs> it is a rhinoceros. I was in a conference in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And the leader of the church, the apostle of that church, it was the end of the conference. And in front of about 500 people, he pointed at me and he said, Come. Wasn't quite sure what was going to come next. And so I go up to the front. We've been teaching and sharing together all week. And he said, this is for you. <laughs> and he handed me a wooden rhino. I, wow. Never had a wooden rhino in my life. And I mean, it, it's beautiful. I mean, it's really nice wood. It's heavy. It's chunky. It's, 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 quality, it's a quality rhino. And he just spoke over the rhino. 
And he said, you are the rhino. Nobody had ever called me a rhino before. <laughs> this was new. This was fresh. This was different. And what was it about the rhino? It didn't matter because the explanation was coming. He said, in this next season of your life, it's going to be difficult. You're going to receive a vision that you are going to have to push through. And you're going to have to push through. And there will be opposition. And there will be people that will tell you, no, this is not possible. There will be people that tell you, no, there's no money for this. There will be people that tell you, you have no time for this. There will be people that say you have no energy for this. There will be people, 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 people. Doesn't matter. You be a rhino. (laughs) Now, if you know me, I'm probably the worst rhino ever. (laughs) That is not my nature. But God said, in this season, this must be your nature. You must have that forehead of flint where you just keep going and going and going and you press and you press through. Praise the Lord. Louisa. Okay, am I on? Yeah. Okay, so the third voice of the Lord here is the voice of the Lord was with majesty or is full of majesty. Um, The word majesty is a very strange word because it's not a word that we use very often. We use it probably a lot more in the United Kingdom because we have a queen or a king. So you say your majesty and you curtsy or you bow. Um, But what does the word majesty even mean? When do we use it? Um, So we use it obviously in the presence of a king or a queen, in the presence of royalty. But what is it about that person that is majestic? What does it even mean? I mean, the, the queen, before she passed away, she was a very little lady, uh, in and of herself, not very powerful, um, certainly not in strength, not in stature. Um, in terms of ruling the country, well, she had some power, but pretty limited um, but what, what is it about her that is majestic? And then I was starting to think, okay, when else do we use this word majestic? Maybe when you go to a place where it is you know, an amazing scenery, okay? Like you're standing in the middle of the Grand Canyon or you know, in the, at the bottom of Niagara Falls and you go, wow, that is majestic. Maybe that is something to do with that. But what is it? What is it about that place that makes it majestic? I think it is something, it's a bit like Richard's looking at the stars. It's that understanding there's something big, there's something vast that is way beyond us. And we are so small and so insignificant. But at the same time, this vastness, this bigness, this powerful God is also beautiful. You know, we looked at the, the sense, the, the one before, where God is powerful. But if God is powerful without that splendor and wonder and beauty, he could be a very scary God. He could be a God that we would be frightened of, one that we will cower and hide from. But at the same time, this powerful God is also beautiful. And we sang that this morning. What a beautiful name. God is beautiful. And so when we stand in the presence of God, we get this sense of awe that just leads us to want to worship. And it is a bit like that vision uh, that Isaiah had in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. The king is seated on the throne. He's high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And Isaiah has this amazing vision of God with the seraphim, and suddenly he realizes, oh, I shouldn't be here. I can't be here because God is holy, and I am sinful. And so somehow in the presence of God that is holy and majestic, we suddenly realize he breaks us of our own sense of self. We, we, we cannot be full of ourselves in the presence of a majestic God. 
He reduces us. He causes us to realize we are sinful people. We are unworthy to be in the presence of God. And yet, and yet, we read in the book of Hebrews, he has made a way. He tore the veil. He made this way available for us to walk through. But this verse says something a bit different. It's not just that God is majestic. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Now, what does that mean? How can God's voice be majestic? You know, sometimes I, I wish God would speak in the, uh, the majestic voice all the time. That probably doesn't happen all the time. Um, God speaks in many ways. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do today is just you know, share some of the ways that God has spoken. But once in a while, God does speak in a majestic way. Um, so when I first went to London about 25 years ago, um, I went to study. I had been part of a church in Malaysia for about eight years. Um, and when I went to London, I couldn't find a church. Now, if you've ever been to London, it's a bit like Pasadena. There's hundreds of churches. In fact, there's probably thousands of churches. So why can't I find a church? I couldn't find a church that I could feel at home. I could settle. I could feel like, yep, this is where I'm meant to be. So after three months, I was pretty frustrated because I was like, I need to find a church. I'm desperate to find a church. God, where on earth do you want me to go? And so my friend said, why don't you come to my church? And I thought, okay, I'll come to your church. And I walked in the sanctuary, and the Lord said, I am here. That's all he said. He said, I am here. He didn't say, I want you to be here. He didn't say, this is the church I want you to be part of. He said, I am here. And I thought, God is here. And if God is here, I want to be where God is. So I stayed in that church, and we were in that church. Um, I was in that church for about 10 years because God was here. And it's not that things were always easy. There were times when it was very, very tough in that church. And there were many times that, you know, I said, Lord, it's so hard here that are you sure you still want us to be here? You know, um, if people don't want you to be here, it's so much easier to leave. And you know what God said? I am still here. Sometimes God speaks in a very unhelpful way. Um, <laughs> it'd be much easier if he said, yeah, I still want you here. He said, no, I am still here. I was like, what does that mean? Well, it means you need to be here. If you want to be where I am, I am still here. And so, what does the voice of God do? The voice of God is majestic, and it, it just gives us faith. It just raises faith from within our spirit. When I came here, um, I was saying, Lord, this is very strange. What are we doing here? And we went to Falcon, and uh, one of the verses, because we were all told to seek for a word from God, right? And so the first word that came, of course, I was looking at the mountains, um, is from Psalm 121. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. You see, it's the majestic God. And again, God didn't answer my question. What am I doing here? He just says, I'm here. I've made this, and I will help you. See, God doesn't always answer the question we ask. But when he speaks, he gives us faith to move forward. And so every day, some, some days I, I go to, I, I'm overwhelmed by our studies, and I say, Richard, I can't do this. This is the wrong thing to do. Um, maybe I should go home, and you carry on, because I can't do it. It's too hard. And, you know, then the next day I would just go and find a place when I look at the mountains again. And I am reminded of that word. I am the maker of heaven and earth. And I will help you. And that causes faith 
again to arise. And I think when we hear the voice of God in that way, we begin to discern because sometimes there, there is a lot of noise. You know, Pastor Michael was talking about Elijah, you know, in the cave and he was running away from God and he, he had the wind and the earthquake and the fire, but the voice of the Lord was not there. And then he heard the whisper. Now, what is the difference between that whisper and those loud noises? Because those loud noises were powerful. But it did not inspire a sense of awe. It did not inspire a sense of the presence of God. It did not inspire the sense of majesty, the need to worship and faith to arise. And so that's one of the ways that we discern the voice of the Lord. Sometimes we hear a lot of words. I don't know about you, sometimes we get lots of words and it becomes a bit noisy actually. And you don't know because they're not all the same. They're not always all consistent. They seem to be contradictory sometimes. So how do you discern which is God's voice, which is the voice of the enemy, which is the voice of human beings? And one of the ways that I found to discern is which word actually gives a sense of awe and majesty within my spirit that inspires faith. The voice of the Lord raise faith within. Then we move on. The voice of the Lord is breaking the cedars. God is breaking up the cedars of Lebanon. I don't know very much about trees, but we know that the cedar is very hardwood. Uh, we know that in the Bible that Solomon built his temple with the, with the cedars from Lebanon given by King Hiram. Um, we know that he built his own palace. So it was the best wood. It was the hardest wood. And so to think about the voice of the Lord splintering the, the cedars is a really difficult picture. It's like, you know, you, you, if you have wood that is soft and chips easily, you, you, it splinters. How do you splinter hard wood? It seems an impossibility. I think the question I ask is, what is God trying to break? That is the better question. Um, it says it makes the cedar tree skip like a calf. The voice of the Lord, I think, breaks pride. You see, the cedar, not only at that time, but to this day, is still the pride of Lebanon. That's why it's in the middle of the flag. I think the question is, what is in the middle of our life that God is trying to break? Because I think there are things that God is trying to break in our lives. You know, there was a time when we, um, so we went to the London School of Economics. Um, it is still one of the best universities in the world. Um, and we graduated from there, and then God called us to work in this church. And this was about, I don't know, six months after we started. We were very tired. Uh, it was hard work. We were looking after a building of about seven stories. Uh, the building that the church had at that time, 35 members, and couldn't support the building. And so we were trying to renovate the building by ourselves, the two of us, so we would be painting um, and we were working 16-hour days, um, seven days a week. And we were tired. And it was New Year's Eve. And you know how young people at New Year's Eve, you go and you party. And there we were. We were working. We were hosting um, a, a church that was using it for an all-night prayer. And then someone knocks on our door at just about midnight and said, I think the toilet is blocked. Uh-oh. And so I went up to the men's toilet. And I saw what this man meant. It was not only blocked, but he had flushed it with all its contents onto the floor. So on New Year's Eve, I took my rubber gloves and I used my hand 
to pick up the contents of the floor. I said, Lord, you have brought us low. You took us to the best university, and here I am picking up, hmm, What did the Lord say? I am here. (laughs) Will you surrender to me? And I think that's the thing, isn't it? God wants to transform our flags. If whatever we are proud of be the white flag, will we surrender all to God? That is key. This is my favorite part of this uh, scripture. It says, he makes them, uh, the cedar trees, skip like a calf. Can you imagine that? Um, And Lebanon and Syrian, like a young wild ox. Now, Syrian um, is another name for Mount Hermon. And we actually find that reference in Deuteronomy 3.9. So we know it is Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon was a mountain range. Um, that was a natural border between Lebanon and Syria and Israel. So it's a natural border because it was just a line. Not very different from the San Gabriel mountain range here. In fact, it's about the same kind of heights as well. So it's quite prominent. And this is the view of Mount Hermon from the Lebanese side. The amazing thing is, how does this mountain move and skip around? And I was thinking, when else do we see the mountains moving? Do you remember the scripture in Matthew 17? That God, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain be moved and it will be done for you. And do you know which mountain Jesus was looking at? This one. It's amazing. He had just come down from the mountain of transfiguration and he had found his other disciples, not Peter, James, and John, because they were with him, um, and they couldn't cast out a demon from a boy, and they're like, Lord, why couldn't we cast him? And he says, because you did not have faith. But if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be moved, and it will be done. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't know, but every t- when I was reading those verses when I was young, I was thinking, okay, that means I need to have more faith. That means I must have bigger faith. But actually, that's the wrong way around, isn't it? Because it says very clearly, you just need faith the size of a mustard seed. What is needed is not the size of our faith. It does not depend on how much faith we have. It depends on the God in whom we have faith. It It depends on the size of our God, actually. And it depends on the word of our God. Because actually... In of ourselves, we cannot tell the mountains to be moved. But he can. The voice of the Lord moves mountains. So, if, so we need to be listening and saying, God, do you want this mountain be, to be moved? Because we can't just go around willy-nilly and telling every mountain to move. Does God want that mountain to be moved? But I think sometimes... I don't know about you, but we have a lot of mountains in our lives. There are a lot of obstacles. There are things that we just feel like, God is just too big. It's preventing me, but I can't move it. What is the word of God? Does he want it to be moved? Sometimes it's there for a reason. Sometimes those obstacles are there for a season, and it is right. But there will come a time when he says, it's time to move it. Do we have faith to move the mountains? 
So the voice of the Lord moves mountains. And finally, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. Another translation for this verse is the thundering voice of the Lord causes the lightning to split. Now, we all know scientifically that's the wrong way around, right? Because we always see the lightning first and then we hear the thunder. But here, the thundering voice of God splits the lightning. So it's the other way around. And in the natural, the lightning is the one that splits things. But here, the voice of the Lord splits the lightning. God sometimes works upside down to what we expect. You know, when we first came here, when we were thinking about coming here, we said, Lord, there are so many obstacles. There's the visa obstacle, there's the finance obstacle, there's the time obstacle, there's the children obstacle, there's 101 obstacles. And because we are good trained economists and accountants, um, it means you put all your provision and then you move. Well, God said, move. And we're like, eh? what, what, what do we do with all this? No, move. Just move. Um, yeah, move. And, you know, there were so many other things that we, God said, if you don't move, I'll just make it easier for you. And he started putting obstacles in our way for the other paths. Sometimes we are a little bit thick, right? Uh, <laughs> we need a little bit of help. And so God starts putting roadblocks in other ways and say, it's only one path to go now. And we're like, okay, even the stupid can hear the voice of the Lord now. But, you know, God sometimes tells us, go, even when it does not make sense. And I think that is key. Move out because God has spoken. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're tracking so far. A couple more points. I think we're on track. Louisa, this is unbelievable. We're actually on schedule. Okay, so number six. Now the storm is subsiding. Louisa actually took us right through the middle of the storm. And now the storm is subsiding. And now the voice of the Lord shakes the... Now we're in the wilderness. We're in this place kind of post-storm where it's all kind of shaking down. God shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And it made me think, when have I been in the wilderness? And why? I don't know if you've had any wilderness experiences with the Lord. Actually, you may be in a wilderness experience right now. But why are we there? And uh, there was a time in our church back in the UK, and there was a vision unfolding for the church. That was all good. But in my own heart, my heart was tired of the vision. My heart was, this is terrible, but I'll, I'll confess it because... My heart was tired of the pastor. <gasps> My heart was tired of the, the leadership. It was just, and I was on the leadership, you know, tired of myself. Everything was just, oh. And people talk about the vision and, I, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, you know, outwardly. But inwardly, inwardly it was not there. And. In that place, I, I went to bed one night and I had a dream. I very rarely have a dream from the Lord, but this was a dream from the Lord. And, and he was trying to explain to me where my heart was at. And he said, th this was almost the picture that I had. It was of a train moving through a desert, through a wilderness, and it's a bit cartoonish, but I felt like I was in a cartoon. I was hanging on to the back of the train with my legs flying out horizontally. Does that make sense? I was kind of hanging on by one hand and, and flying out the back. And if I let go, I was gone. I was going to be left in the wilderness. Now, the other thing that the Lord just threw in there was locusts. So there was locusts just eating everything. I'd never seen a locust before. My goodness, all of these locusts just chomp, 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 chomp. And I woke up. I woke up. <laughs> I'm on board with the vision. 
I'm no longer tired of the leadership. <laughs> I'm back. Basically, he said to me, get back on the train. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind in the wilderness. <sighs> My goodness. It frightened me, but it was good. I never had that problem again. And sometimes the word of the Lord in the wilderness can be really, really key. So that was the dream. Second one. Anybody ever been through conflict in the church? (laughs) Every church that we've been in, this is a warning. (laughs) We've been involved in conflict. Shouldn't have said that, Louisa. Okay. (laughs) But there's always something that comes up. There's always something to work through. doesn't matter which church you're in or whatever. And we were in a dreadful conflict. Absolutely awful. Intractable. Didn't know how to get out of it and whatever, whatever. And we had a meeting with all of our leaders, all of our young people, and something happened in that meeting, and you know how the worst thing that you can imagine sometimes happens? (laughs) That worst thing that could ever happen to me, my big thing in the back of my head which said, if this ever happens, that's the end, that happened in that meeting. Oh, and all of a sudden in that meeting, there's the shame, the the, the embarrassment, just, just everything. And the meeting closed, and I jumped in my car, my little Proton Saga Malaysian car, very cool. And I jumped in my car, and I said, that's it, Lord. Remember, this was the thing that was going to end everything. And I jumped in the car, and I said, I'm going to Singapore. Because <laughs> you could drive down to Singapore in four hours. I said, this is it. I'm driving to Singapore. I had no thought for Louisa, no thought for the kids, no thought for anything. That experience had been so excruciating and so embarrassing, I just wanted to run. And never come back. And so I'm driving in my little proton saga as fast as I can and as hard as I can. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm about to run out of petrol. (laughs) Oh, the best laid plans. (laughs) And I end up in this very petrol station. Be wary of petrol stations. The Lord has a way. And I'm in the petrol. And so I have to slow down. I have to stop. (sighs) And when you stop, then you begin to think. And finally, it was a place for the Lord to be able to speak. And actually, the way he spoke was through my friends. I'd been running and running and running, driving and driving and driving. And I hadn't checked my phone. And I opened up the text. It will be okay. These were guys in the meeting. They knew. It will be okay. (laughs) We saw what happened to you, but we have your back. Here I am, fleeing to Singapore. (laughs) And people are saying nice things. Ah! (laughs) And that sense of responsibility begins to return. And I begin to think, oh, Louisa, I mean, this is so terrible. <laughs> Here I am, I'm so selfish. <laughs> Louisa, I have children. <laughs> and uh, my goodness, the Lord is good. I filled up the car and I... Thank you, Hefzibah. She's on it again. <laughs> I U-turned. <laughs> and I went back. And the Lord worked it out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The last one. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Praise the Lord. There's a creativity in the voice of the Lord. At the same time as he says that, he says the voice of the Lord strips the forest bare. So on the one hand, there's this creative thing going on. And on the other hand, there's this kind of stripping away of everything. And I think that's where we feel as though we are right now, right in that space between that creativity of giving birth, but all the same time that stripping away of everything that was good and that was green and that was flourishing and everything, gone. And that is quite a place to be, but it's the place where the Lord wants us to be. And that's where the voice of the Lord has us in this time. Guatemala. 
the land of volcanoes. Last August, the Lord took us to Guatemala. He took us to the place of the volcano. And our friends in Guatemala, we, we were supposed to do 10 days um, quarantine uh, for coronavirus at that time. And they said, you just go and look at the volcano for 10 days. <laughs> it's the first time we'd stopped in like seven years. Go, 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 go. Stop. Go and look at the volcano for 10 days. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> it was really nice. And this was the view. <laughs> wow. We're looking at the volcano, looking at the volcano. And in that moment, because we stopped and because we slowed down, the Lord said, Behold, I am doing a new thing, new thing, new thing. Now it's, it's happening. Can't you see it? Can't you perceive it? What is, what is wrong with you? I'm doing something new, but you can't see it because you never slow down. But here's the verse to bring your attention to it. Do you see now? Do you not perceive what is happening? And then a year later, <laughs> welcome to Pasadena. I had no idea a year before. I'll be really honest. I wanted to study with our friends in Congo. I wanted to study with our friends in Nepal or in Malaysia. I wanted to study with our friends in Argentina. I wanted to go and study in the global south, so-called, because that's where my friends are. I said something stupid to the Lord. Please don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> Please. I'm just being honest. I said to him, the last place I want to go is America. <laughs> Please don't hear that wrongly. It was in light of those other things. You, 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 you get my heart, right? Please. I love America. We spent a lot of time here previously, and it's, it's been an amazing place for us. But all the doors shut. Fuller was amazing. And then a year later, we find ourselves right where God wants us to be. <laughs> Amen. And we're happy. And the Lord has helped us to land. In fact, you guys have helped us to land. Praise the Lord. So, finally, we come back down to earth. We started in heaven and now we come down to earth. The Lord sits upon the flood. Hallelujah. When you see the drains overflowing in Pasadena after the storm, the Lord sits over the flood. He is king forever. He gives strength to his people and blesses his people with peace. We've never felt so blessed and we've never felt so at peace as we do right now. Praise the Lord. God strips everything away. Challenge you on your finance. Challenge you on your direction. Challenge you about your kids. Challenge you about your job. Challenge you about everything. And at the same time, he asked the question, are you all in? In light of everything that I've said, all the voices in which I have spoken, are you all in? Are you going to give it everything? Whatever that means, in any of those areas and more that I haven't mentioned, are you all in, in terms of what you have already received. Praise the Lord. Who is it? Can you just bring my book? I'm sorry. We've been on a journey, my friends. We started over the Mediterranean Sea, and God brought us all the way around, through Lebanon, past Mount Hermon, into the wilderness, and now... We're finished with our journey. 
We talked about the Holy Spirit and how God speaks through the Holy Spirit even before we become Christians. We talked about the power of his word, either spoken directly or through the Bible. We talked about the majesty of worship. We talked about broken pride and that flag of surrender. We talked about moving mountains. We talked about the way of the wilderness. And we talked about a season of creative breaking. I wonder where you are. I wonder what your experience have been of any or all of those. God can speak through an object like a rhinoceros. <laughs> he can speak through creation, speak through the Bible, speak through a prophetic word, speak through a dream, speak through friends, speak through circumstances. But my friends, God speaks. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. It is extraordinary. And we really have only scratched the surface. The way you describe yourself, the way you show us yourself through everything that is around us, through the storm, through creation, the way that your love and compassion overwhelms us, pours itself out to us in so many ways, Father, we're grateful and we thank you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. If there is something that they need to hear in this season that will take them into the next season, Lord, that our ears will be open and our hearts will not be rebellious. Father, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.